The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the catch. The Indians have won the American League pennant. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. I am Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight as we sit back and talk about the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians. And in to talk about the Reds and probably just crawling out from underneath the covers is Blake Watson after the Reds' lackluster showing over the weekend. Blake, are you out from... Underneath the covers, and are you okay today? Oh yeah, man, I'm 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 completely fine. It was a very disappointing weekend from the per baseball standpoint, but it wasn't. They should have won the first two games. They were up late in both of the first two games, and that atrocious bullpen has just continued to get bad. I don't understand. You know, I know you you have some thoughts on Lorenzen later, but I don't know why he wasn't brought into that spot in game one that Brad Brock was brought into. Um, you know, just the power arm has a better shot to get you out of that tough spot that Garrett put you in. Um, then, then Brad Brock kind of, he's a bit of a, he's a bit more of a soft tosser, kind of gets dudes out with junk and, you know, smoke and mirrors kind of guy. Um, he's been pretty good for the most part. His last few outings have been rough, but he's been one of their better guys. But still, you brought Lorenzen off the injured list on, on Friday night and had a spot to put him in the game. When the game was still legitimately hanging in the balance, and you knew against that Milwaukee pitching staff, especially their bullpen, even though Devin Williams is on the injured list now, it's still a really good bullpen. Um, you got to have a lead late against those guys. You're not going to score often against Hader. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not – I've never seen a team or a town flip in three days the way this town has flipped on this team. Um you know, going to the all-star break, everybody's riding high. People are talking about the Reds are going to win the division, blah, 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 blah. Three games later, it's like the sky is falling. They're all out here on the radio. And this morning, I was literally just listening to Tony Pike's noon show talking about, oh, now it's time to trade Castellanos. And, like, while that's not necessarily a terrible idea, um, if you think you're still competitive, obviously you can't do that. It was just bad luck, man. You lose Castellanos for two or three games. Get decent starting pitching in all three games. Greg got roughed up towards the end of his outing, but overall he gave you a shot to win, but Burns was just borderline unhittable. I mean, he had a one hitter going in the fifth inning. So what do you, what do you expect the team to do if you can't hit and not having Cassianos in the lineup along with Winker, you know, not hitting at all? Um, he hasn't got a hit and it feels like a month and a half. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, just bad timing and, it's going to push them. If they don't get real hot real quick and win five or six of the Mets and the Cardinals, four of six at minimum, I look for the Reds to flip from buyers to sellers really quickly. Well, I was I was extremely disappointed in the way David Bell managed this weekend. Um, and the reason I was very – you know, if you look back over his two-and-a-half-year tenure now, 
I, I guess you could say two years if you want to count last year as maybe a half a year. But anyway, his tenure over the Reds. This was really Blake, and, and disagree with me if you want. The first series that he went into where it was a playoff-like atmosphere at home. When you look at what the Reds were up against in this Milwaukee Brewers team, going into it four games out, and they had three games at home, and they're coming off winning three of four in Milwaukee. This is the first time that you look at Bell going into a series as his as manager of the Reds, of actually having an opportunity to be in first place while he's at man while he's the manager of the club. And I thought he did a very poor job of managing the team. You go back to Friday night, you already brought it up. He had Lorenzen, who just came off the DL with a shoulder injury, warming up in the bullpen, ready to go, and he doesn't go to him. Now, why not? I mean, that's a perfect situation to get Lorenzen in the ballgame. And then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bring it up. I thought the idea to have Lorenzen in the outfield and running on the base paths was a, a, a abhorrent decision because this guy has not been in a ball game at all this season and he's not adept to running the bases and he's so, he's going to be so important or was going to be so important to the Reds bullpen. You can't put that kid in that situation if you're the manager. As you know, we, we talked a little bit about this off air and you know, it fired me up. I think you're just, like, I think you should have went to Lorenzen early. Now, I will argue that when he went to Garrett, it was the right call because you had Colton Wong and Yelich up. So two lefties, I'm okay with that choice. I, I mean, I don't want Garrett pitching in a lever, high leverage situation, but he's your best lefty right now, probably. Yeah, Osage is probably your best lefty. But lefty, lefty, I'm okay with that decision. Not the decision I would have made, but I'm okay with it. But to go from Amir Garrett to Brad Brock instead of Amir Garrett to Michael Lorenzen. Now, the reason he did that is because the pitcher's sought lineup was due to lead off the next inning. Now... You can continue to play double dead kid, right? He was going to leave Lorenzen in the game regardless. Lorenzen's one of the best hitting pitchers in baseball. So I would have been okay with him getting one out and then swinging. Um, that would have been fine with me. But by that time, the game was tied. So, you know, uh, I'm saving Lorenzen in hopes I get a lead. Um, I, I completely disagree about the, the running the bases. The outfield thing is what it is, although... Michael Lorenzo is the best defensive outfielder the Reds have right now. They're all this outfield is a joke. Um, Winker's terrible. Is I'm almost not good, but England's okay. Let, right. let me interrupt you really quick. Is Lorenzen more important to the Reds coming out of the bullpen or in the outfield? Oh, 100% coming out of the bullpen. That's not even a question. But that game was vitally important for the Reds to win. Absolutely. Vitally important. And he did what he thought was best in that situation. I am completely okay with Michael Lorenzen being left in the game to run the bases and play the outfield. And, you know, I, while you say he just came off the injured list, that's fine. He came off the injured list for a shoulder injury. To think Michael Lorenzen wasn't running the entire time he was on the injured list is asinine. He 100% was running. His leg should have been in good shape. Blake, you know, you know as well as I do. You know as well as I do. There's a difference between running on the sidelines and running the bases in a game. Yes and no. I mean, 
there obviously there's a difference, but running is running, and there, there's no reason. The problem with Michael Lorenzen is Michael Lorenzen is so tightly wound, he's so muscle-filled that he has trouble with, he's going to always have trouble with those soft tissue injuries because his, his, his body is just tight, like everything about him is tight. Um, again, I'm okay with that choice. I was more not okay with the pitching decisions. But even then, you know, people were, there's people in Cincinnati, and you, you brought it up before we started talking about David Bell being fired. And I'm, I'm, I just don't see it, man. I just don't agree. I, I honestly don't see it either. I'm not a David Bell fan, but to me, he has not done anything fireable because his team just isn't as good as they think it is. Like, that's just, the bullpen is atrocious. You know, we've had this conversation a, a few times before. If you've got, you know, you're going down there to pick out a bum, if they're all bums, you got to pick one bum to throw in the bullpen. So, it's, it's, I mean, how is that his fault? Uh, again, I would have went to Lorenzen, but that's the first opportunity he's had to go to Lorenzen. So, I, I you know, it's, it's just bad timing, bad luck. Pulling a hamstring can happen to anybody. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not, again, and I say that, but I would not lose any sleep if they fired David Bell today either. So I feel I feel both sides of it. I am I would not fire David Bell if I were running the Reds because I just don't think that if I'm running the Reds, I am honest enough with myself to know that I have not put him, in the, him and that team in the best position to succeed. That's the best argument right there, Blake that I have heard to keeping David Bell as manager. This front office has not done what they should have done to put the Reds in a position to win. But you also made basically made my point about Lorenzen just a few minutes ago that he's so tightly wound and is susceptible to soft tissue injuries. If you know that, and you're 10 miles away from Great American Ballpark, then how come... David Bell doesn't realize that, knowing that Lorenzen is going to be a key and an integral part of his bullpen for the rest of the year before he throws him out in the outfield and lets him run the bases, and knowing that he's susceptible to those types of injuries, and the manager puts him in that position. That's what I don't understand. And I come from the day, Blake, when pitchers used to be used as pinch runners all the time, a.k.a. Blue, Blue Moon Odom of the Oakland A's, and the Reds fans will remember that back in the the 72 World Series. But pitchers used to be used all the time as pinch runners. Now they're not used at all, except in that situation, and it wasn't a pinch running situation, I know, but nonetheless, you can't, as manager, you've got to baby Lorenzen until you get him into a situation where he's used to playing again. Oh, I agree with you completely. I think that decision all boils down to letting Aquino swing for Tyler Naquin in a spot against a lefty earlier in the game than he probably should have. Um, and I don't remember if they were threatening to score. I think they might have had a runner or two on base. But I think Aristides Aquino, it's, it's time to end that, uh, that experiment. Um, the kid just can't hit. Like, he's got tons of raw power. Yeah. He might be the best defensive outfielder, but he cannot hit. I mean, it, 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 the same things that everybody complains about with Eugenio Suarez are the same things that they would complain about with Aquino if you had gotten 300 and back to this point. He'd have 15 home runs, but he'd be hitting 175. Um, so that, that, I think, is where that all started. I thought that was a mistake. 
I mean, but you know how it is, man. Hindsight's twenty twenty. If Aristide Aquino hits a two run bomb and they go up three, and you, then you still have Lorenzo to come in up three in the eighth, it, it all everything looks better. But because dudes don't succeed in the positions they were put in, it makes the manager look bad. And I just I'm not a fan of that, man. I'm just not a fan of blaming him. Now, can you question his his things? Absolutely. Decision-making, of course. But I don't believe that with that roster the way it's currently constructed, they would be much better off with almost anyone managing them just because of how bad the bullpen is. Uh, and, you know, there. And before we get into the Indians, there comes a time, Blake, where you've either got to fish or cut bait. And Amir Garrett has proven that it's about time to cut bait on him. Um, unless you're going to let him stand out there and just take a beating. And, you know, old-time managers used to do that. They'd let you stand out there and take a beating. Basically, they called it taking one for the team. With Amir Garrett, he's got to figure out how to pitch. I think the big thing with Amir Garrett is, and when he was going good there for about three weeks, he wasn't pitching in high-leverage situations. He is such an emotional guy. That high leverage situations are just not what he's built for. Um, he, he needs to be a legitimate middle relief guy. He's not a late inning guy. Um, you know, yeah, it's not who he is at this point. He doesn't throw enough strikes. Doesn't have enough fastball command. Still has one of the best sliders in baseball, but it doesn't matter if you can't throw your fastball for a strike. So I, I, I wouldn't cut bait with Amir Garrett because left-handed dudes to throw as hard as he does. And have the, the breaking ball that he does don't grow on trees. But you know, I would not be opposed to Amir Garrett spending a couple weeks in the minor leagues either, trying to work his way back. Um, but that that brings up another question: Who do you bring up? What what do you have in the minor leagues? Because the dudes in the minor leagues were better than the guys in the majors. Guess where they be? <laughs> They'd be in the friggin' majors. They'd be there by like, now, right? Like this bullpen's been bad enough for so long. That if they had options at the lower levels, and they did with Osich and Brock, and they brought those dudes up, and it's been better. But it's not good. If the Reds' bullpen was what it was a year or two ago, the Reds would be six games up on the Brewers right now. They have given away more games late in, in the game than I've been anybody in baseball. And I don't have stats to back that up, but I watch the Reds every day. I know how much they've given up. I, I can, I mean, the le- three of the last four losses, including the game one against the Brewers in Milwaukee and the first two games of this series are games, I won't say they could have won, I'll say they should have won. They were up late in all three games. In all three games, the bullpen faltered and gave it up. Now, is that going to happen no matter who your bullpen is? Absolutely. But it happens way more often with the Reds than it should anybody else. And how is that on David Bell if he doesn't have a guy to turn to down there that's a legitimate stopper? If this team right now had a healthy Michael Lorenzen, a healthy T.J. Antone, and a healthy Lucas Sims, they went two of three games against the Brewers this weekend, and it's a completely different team. I agree with you. I've got no problems agreeing with you on that, that the front office has not done its job in what they should have done to bolster that bullpen. Um, that's one thing that the Indians seem to be able to do every year is bolster the bullpen. Um, now, it may take them the first month or two to figure out how to use the bullpen, but right about now is where the Indians under Terry Francona always start winning ball games. 
And I'm going to look at this series in Oakland that the Indians had over the weekend, Blake, and say, I think this is the the start of something that could really be big for the Indians because they never, ever win a series in Oakland. I cannot remember for my entire lifetime when the Indians last won a series in Oakland, and yesterday they finally said that it was 1979 that the Indians actually won a series in Oakland, and they took two out of three against the second-place A's, who are only three-and-a-half games behind the Houston Astros in first place. Now, the Indians are starting to get healthier. They've got Zach Plezak back, who threw six innings yesterday. On Saturday, they had Eli Morgan. He threw, or excuse me, Quantrell. He threw six innings, and they had Eli Morgan on Friday night, a game that they absolutely blew on Friday night because the bullpen let them down. But Eli Morgan threw six innings. When the Indians can get six innings out of their starting pitching, I'm going to say right now, they're almost unbeatable because the bullpen gets set up the way that Francona likes it set up. If the starting pitchers don't get through the fourth inning, that's when the Indians start having problems. And they're starting to get some players back from the injury list. Aaron Savali is starting to throw on the sidelines now. They're expecting him back probably, if not by this weekend, early next week. Shane Bieber is also throwing on the sidelines. He's expected to throw a simulated game in Houston this week and then go down to Akron and throw a game with the uh, Arrows over the weekend, and hopefully he'll be back in a week or two. But this may have turned out, Blake, and you can agree or disagree however you feel, this may turn out to be a blessing in disguise with the Indians because not only are they... They're still eight games out of first place. Granted, I'll give you that. They're four games out of the wild card push. But now they've had a chance to develop some pitchers that could step into that fourth and fifth rotation spot in their starting rotation. And that may help them down the stretch. Quantrell, he's done an excellent job. And I'll tell you what, I'm really impressed with this Eli Morgan. He doesn't have much on his fastball, but he is kind of like a Shane Bieber type where he's able to locate the ball where he wants to, and he's learning to pitch, albeit at the major league level, but he's starting to learn how to pitch. And the other one that, that's really got me uh, excited uh, is Plezak coming back, and he threw well yesterday also. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's, it's definitely, it could be a turning point for both, for both teams, right? One positively, one negatively. Um Bullpen has been fantastic for the Indians of late. The uh, outside of that blown game Friday, but very good. But you're right; they they find a way to reload their bullpen, regardless of who they lose, regardless of who they sign. It seems like they always have at least a handful of dudes out there that are really, really tough. Um, and you know, this this like you said, a little bit of a blessing in disguise as you know, they've developed a little bit more starting rotation depth, which we all know. In the dog days of summer that they're headed for right now, that's what's going to matter is, is how good and how long your starting pitching can be. And if they can give you five or six or seven innings, um, and minimize what your bullpen has to do, that's, that's so important. And that's the thing about this Reds Milwaukee series. They didn't get bad, the Reds didn't get bad starting pitching. I mean, Gray got beat up a little bit, but outside of that, both the others, Mally and Castillo, both were good enough to win. Castillo threw six innings. 
no runs and you lose the game. That can't happen. So I, I think you're right. I think that, that helped the Reds for a while there, too. You saw Gutierrez and Santion come up and get have really good starts. Um, and, and, you know, the back end of that rotation has been pretty good, but it doesn't cover up how bad bullpen is. Well, and you, you've heard me speak highly of Brad Zimmer in the past. And I'll tell you, Blake, I was almost to the point where I was ready to give up on Bradley Zimmer as far as the Indians were concerned in center field because he just wasn't able to hit. But then yesterday something interesting happened, and it got me thinking, and I started looking things up. Francona gave Cesar Hernandez the day off at second base, which I think was really overdue because Hernandez is not playing well defensively at second for the Indians. So they inserted Zimmer in the leadoff spot. Now, all season long, Zimmer has been batting either 7th, 8th, or ninth. They put him in the leadoff position, and he went 3-for-4, including a home run. And he hit a home run on Friday night. So going back to Oakland has really helped out Bradley Zimmer. But the thing about it is, Blake, that's really interesting, in the years that Zimmer has been up, in two out of the last three years, he didn't play at all last year, when he has batted in the leadoff position for the Indians, he's hitting three thirty-three. And that's in over 100 at-bats. Now, I know there have been a lot of players that have said, I can't hit at this spot in the batting order, that spot in the batting order. Um, but Zimmer might be one of those guys that he just doesn't hit well lower in the batting order and is better off in one spot. Maybe that is the leadoff spot. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, that's a real thing. That actually is a, is a real friggin' thing with, with professional baseball players, they have that mental block about, you know, for whatever reason about where they are in their lineup or, you know, they, they play to their, to their strengths when they're moved around. Um, but I think I, I haven't looked at Bradley Timmer's numbers close enough to, to give a real opinion on that. That 330 mark really surprises me. If it was just yesterday's game, I'd be like, eh, it's one game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, 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 you know, anybody can have one good game. Um, Overwhelmingly at the big league level and even really at the triple A level, he hasn't hit at a really high clip. Um, you know, he's been a plus defender and he's a good outfielder, but you know, he's got to hit. If, if putting him in a leadoff spot helps, then leave him there. Well, and that, yeah, and that, and another thing is Daniel Johnson. They call him Jet. He's a right fielder. Boy, did he make a couple of nice deep plays defensively in right field over the weekend. But yesterday, he also hit a home run to dead center field. He went two for four in the ball game. And the way the Indians handled Johnson as opposed to Zimmer is completely different. They seem to want to coddle Zimmer. And with Johnson, Francona came out and said, we've seen him in the minor leagues hit the baseball. Now it's time for him to prove it that he can do it at the major league level. Almost putting the onus on Johnson to prove to us that you can hit the baseball up here and we'll keep you. And the minute Francona said that, Johnson goes two for four, had an excellent game yesterday. Now I'm anxious to see what he does against Houston in the series starting off tonight. But nonetheless, I mean, you know, this this whole thing, like I said, it may have turned out, all these injuries, it may have turned out to be a blessing in disguise for the Indians. And on top of that, they've still got 11 games left with the White Sox this year. Yeah, that'll be all for sure. The eleven games left with the White Sox. Um, 
that's that's kind of going to hurt the Reds too in the opposite direction. They've only got a three game set left with the Brewers, so that's going to that's going to hurt their ability to catch them. Um, but no, I completely agree, and and that's that's what I like about Terry Francona and the whole Indians organization. You know, you prove you prove you can play minor league baseball. It's time to prove you can play big league baseball. It's still baseball, but it's a different game, right? Yeah. Um, and then that's one of the things that drives me nuts with the Reds is you got they just sent him back down. Aleo Lopez, all that kid does is hit. The two games he started for Eugenio Suarez, he had a five-hit ball game in two games, and he doesn't start again. It doesn't make sense to me. I like, I love Suarez. I still think Suarez is going to figure it out, but it doesn't matter. Who gives you a better opportunity to win the game right now? And that's Aleo Lopez. Like, that's just not there. You can't even argue with me. Um, Aleo Lopez is a better hitter right now than Eugenio Suarez. Now, do you cut bait and move Eugenio Suarez? No. But, you know, you got to win baseball games right now. It's not about, you know, we're not building to next year. At this point, who knows the Reds are going to look like next year because Castellanos is likely gone. Um, it's just, it's a difficult situation and I don't understand why the Reds constantly don't look at the young guys. Like, you look at the Reds offensively, obviously Winker and Castillos have been their, Castellanos have been far and away their best players. Their second two best offensive players this year have been Jonathan Indian and Tyler Stevenson. They're rookies. Like, they both have been both hitting better than 270, both have a, a handful of home runs, drive the ball in, get on base at a high clip. Like, they're good players. Like, I don't understand why they refuse to continue to go young. Um, and see what some of these young guys can do. Blake, why haven't they just thrown a fielder's glove to Tyler Stevenson and said, go play left field for a little bit? I don't know. Um, I think part of that is the fact that, uh, well, A, it's not going to be left field because you're not taking Winker out. Um, well, no, but you could move him. Over this weekend, you could have put him in right field. Right. I think part of that is Stevenson's not overly athletic. I mean, he's a big dude. And I, but the other part of that is the fact that uh, Kyle Farmer is being forced to play shortstop every day. If Kyle Farmer was still their super utility guy, I think you'd see Tyler Stevenson in the lineup a lot more at different places. But because Farmer's playing shortstop almost every day, except for the, the unbelievable times they play Mike Freeman, which is mind-boggling. That dude is terrible. Um, I agree. He is not a big league baseball player, especially not a big league baseball player on a team that has designs of competing for a, a, a division title. Like, it just doesn't happen. Tell me another team who's competing for a division title who started a worse player in shortstop than Mike Freeman. I'll wait. You're not going to find one. Um, Blake, it's Johnny Bench, Sparky Anderson used to stick Johnny Bench in left field. To give him a day off. Now, I, 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 I can't believe, and Johnny Bench was not the most athletic player either. Neither was Pete Rose. I mean, let's be honest. Pete Rose was not an athlete. Pete Rose was a baseball player. The epitome of a baseball player. But to tell me that T- Tyler Stevenson cannot move out to left field just for a game or two to, to, especially when Castellanos is out of the lineup, and, and you keep both Barnhart and Stevenson in the lineup. I don't know. It, that just doesn't seem right. Oh, I agree. Um, I think 
I think uh, if you play seven games in a seven-day week, Tyler Stevenson should be on the field for at minimum four of them, probably five. Whether that's at first base, behind the plate, or a corner outfield spot, he needs to be on the field that often. He is one of your five best offensive players. When he does play, he bats third or fourth. I mean, there's a reason for that. When Tucker Barnhart catches, he bats eighth. So, I mean, what are we doing? Getting him on the field, getting somewhere. I'm okay with Stevenson playing first base and Votto getting days off. Um, I think that is better for both of them. Now, he's looked kind of bad at first base at times, but doesn't matter. Like, you got to hit, man. And that's this weekend, everybody wants to talk about the bullpen and David Bell and all that stuff. That's the most disappointing thing to me is how bad the offense was. At times, completely inept. Did they hit a home run in the series? I'm not sure. Um, maybe one? Yeah, India hit one. That's the, yeah. I think that's the only home run they hit in the entire series. Yeah. How long has it been since the Reds have hit one home run in a three-game series at home? Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. They just, they, they, they're, and, and taking nothing away from the Brewers, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are two of the very best starting pitchers in baseball right now. If it wasn't for Jacob DeGrom, they'd be probably one and two in the Cy Young voting in the National League this year. Um, so I, I'm, I, I'm not taking anything away from them. They're very good pitchers, but you gotta find a way to get some offense. And that brings into question, you know, the fact that the Reds are a really bad defensive team. They don't run the bases well. Um, Jesse Winker got called out of first base on a play like Christian Yelich did last week. Yeah. Where he turned and acted like he wanted to go and he was out. Like, they're not a good baseball team. Can they hit? Absolutely. And they've got good starting pitching. But everything outside of, you know, offense and starting pitching, this team's not very good. They can't catch it. They can't run the bases. They're bottom three in baseball and stolen bases. Their team speed overall is really bad. Um, they're just not – they don't do the little things needed to win games, and they're not good enough in the other areas to match it. Blake, do you agree with me that there are not many baseball players at the major league level that actually know how to play the game? 100% agree with you. And that's hard I to believe. I, I think if you if you had me talk about like the Reds right now, the ball players, like just ball player dudes, I'd say maybe three. Maybe Kyle Farmer's a ball player, not a great athlete, but he's a ball player. Jonathan India's a ball player. And Tucker Barnard's a ball player. That's really it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, on I mean, the, it's, the Indians, it's, it's the same way. I see so many base running mistakes in baseball today. I see so many players not tagging up on fly balls or going halfway when they should. I see so many ball players that want to, <laughs> this is the craziest one, why do you slide into first base? It's been proven Unless there's that, an opportunity for a tag, it's pointless. Yeah. It's proven that if you run straight through the bag, you can go faster than sliding. But these ball players, for whatever reason, they continually do that. The play that we saw yesterday, and I know you had to see it, between the Mets and the Pirates, where the, the pitcher for the Mets came over on a little 20, 30 foot little squibber up the line with the bases loaded and knocked it up towards the backstop thinking it was foul and it was fair and all three runners scored. I mean, come on, dude. If you just let the ball either roll foul or end up dead 
on the foul line, one run scores, and that's it. Instead, what you did caused another two runs to score, and you lose the game. In that in that Friday night game against the Brewers, Amir Garrett was on the mound, and Stevenson did something similar on a swinging bunt by Christian Yelich. He picked it up and got the out at first base, allowing a runner to move over to third, and the runner scored on, I think, a pass ball. Um, when he could have, Chris Yelich has not been good enough to, you know, he, I want that guy swinging the bat right now just because he's been bad. So I would, that ball should have been let to go foul and figured it out. Like, he, I, I, yeah, I see a lot of really bad baseball played at the high levels. I mean, you look at the two best players in the Reds this year, Winker and Castellanos, I don't think either of them have a clue how to play baseball. Yeah. They can hit. Neither, they're both bad outfielders. They're both bad base runners. They both really don't have a clue what the strike zone is. They're just not very good. Um, but they can hit. And that's the whole point of baseball today. You know, it was interesting to hear at the All-Star break Rob Manfred talk about what he thinks baseball will be like next year. And it sounds to me like, Blake, that he's totally given up on the idea of seven-inning doubleheaders and the runner at second base in extra innings. Yeah, I think that he's chalking those up to COVID rules, which is kind of stupid. I mean, they don't really help you with COVID stuff in any way, shape, or form, other than last year with shortening games and the travel and all that stuff, and that's fine. Um, but no, I think it's, I think it's crazy that, you know, I'm fine with both rules and I'm fine with both rules being gone, but I think it's crazy they're making a big deal about it and blaming it all on COVID. The one that he has been talking a lot about that I do like is the banning of the shift. Um, finding a way to, to, to put the shift in, you know, you got to have two infielders on each side of second base at all times. Um, I, I like that idea. I mean, you can still shift. It just won't be as extreme. There's so many balls that are hit nowadays that are like, oh, that's a hit. Oh, why is there a guy standing there? Like, what are we doing? It's changed, it changed the game. Um, so I, I, I like the banning of the shift. I'm sorry. I led you down the golden path on this one because I was watching the movie Moneyball the other night. And, of course, Brad Pitt playing the part of Billy Bean. And I thought Pitt made a comment that Bean made in the locker room at Oakland that I thought was very astute. And that is you get 27 outs in a ball game. We're not going to bunt anymore because when you bunt, you're giving up one of those 27 outs. We're not going to do it. He said, if a team wants to bunt against us, just pick up the ball, throw it to first base. They're giving you an out on a silver platter. That's great. Take the out, say thank you, and get back to playing the game. That's my point about the shift. And you and I have discussed this ad nauseum. But my point about the shift is they're giving you the base hit down the third base line if you're a left-handed hitter. Just plop the ball down there, the third base line. You've got a base hit. They're giving it to you. Take it and say thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just disagree. It's way harder to do that than, than it looks. Um, it's, it's not an easy thing to take a 95-mile-an-hour basketball on the inside corner and flip it down the left field line. They're not throwing underhand. Breaking balls and the pitching is so good that, that I, I mean, I agree. I would try it from time to time, but I would try it from time to time more in the way to make sure it keeps things honest. Yeah. Um, 
Like, even if you get out doing it, the fact that they know you will try to do it, I, I would be all over that. Um, but, well, yeah, no, I, I, it's just not that easy. I just think just outlaw the freaking shit. It's just, it, it is what it is. Roberto Perez, this is what got me thinking about it yesterday. Roberto Perez three times this year, and he was on the DL, keep in mind, for over a month and a half. But three times this year, he has plopped a bunt up the first baseline because he's a right-handed hitter, and they play with the three infielders to the the uh, left of second base. So he plops the ball down the first baseline three times this year, Blake. He has beaten it out, and he's the slowest runner that I can think of in Major League Baseball today from behind the plate to first base. Now, that being said, what has happened now are teams are starting to adjust their shift to where they're playing the second baseman over to closer to first base and bringing the first baseman in on the shift. It's funny to watch, but, you know, I don't like the idea of banning the shift because there are times where, and I know you've seen this, Joe Madden's done it, I've seen Dave Roberts do it, I've seen other uh, other managers do it around baseball. When you've got a bottom of the ninth situation and the bases are loaded, they bring in and put five infielders on the infield and only two outfielders. And I think that's a great defensive maneuver at that point in the ball game when you've got the bases loaded, you're either tie ball game or whatever, and you know that a deep fly ball is going to win the game anyway. So bring the five infielders in, play them in, so you can cut down the run at home plate. I don't want to see that kind of stuff abolished. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously, yeah, that, that the five infielders late in the game, um, four outfielders in certain spots. Like, I'm okay with those things. Um, I think it's as simple as at least two infielders on each side of the second base. You want to you want to take away the four hole and put the second base deep in? Go to two outfielders. That that forces you to do it. Um, make it, it makes the decision a whole lot harder to do it. Um, I, I I like it for that reason. I do. I genuinely enjoy watching a team go five infielders or four outfielders, but. I still don't like the second base. I'm playing three steps in front of the right fielder on a left-handed batter. Just doesn't make sense to me. Right. It's not based on how the game's played. Games have been played for over 100 years, and it's never been played that way. Um, it looks like slow pitch softball, and you got a rover out there. It's, it just doesn't make sense. Well, and, you know, down at the uh, at the national regional tournament uh, for the NCAA and the girls' softball, that, that weekend at Decatur, Illinois. It was interesting to watch. There was one team down there, and I can't remember who it is. If I asked Chris Morris, he'd tell me. But there was one team down there, Blake, that uh, against the mount, they would play four outfielders on against Aaliyah Tucker. And they did that, and it worked out for them uh, because Aaliyah wasn't able to get a base hit against them. But nonetheless, I mean, that that's the type of strategy that if you go back and you look at the numbers, and that's where all these analytics come in. And if you look at that, you see what's happening. But there's a way to beat the analytics if you go against them. And that's the only thing that I'm saying. If they're giving you a hit, take the damn hit and walk away with it. Well, they're giving you a hit if the, if the pitcher throws you soft and away. If he throws you soft away, then they're giving you a hit, lays it down the, the third baseline. They hit it in the hole the guy just left and, and keep it moving. If the guy's still pitching you like he's going to pitch you normally, it ain't giving you nothing. If they hit it down there, it's an accident. Um... It's it's so hard to change. I'm also not a believer in asking big leaguers to change what they've done to get into the big leagues. I just don't understand that. Like, 
you want you want a guy who's never bunted in professional baseball in his life to bunt, you know, with two outs in the eighth inning of a game they need to win. That's that's to me, I don't I don't like that. That's not how you got the big. That's not who he is. Uh, be who you are. Play to your strengths. And you know the game. If they're gonna keep the the, the shift, and I you know I I keep playing it the same way I've always played it. The way they got me. If I'm Nick Castellanos or whoever, my twenty million dollar contract. Like that, they're not paying me to bunt it down the third baseline. All right, I want to lead into this question here. The Chicago White Sox are leading the Central Division with a fifty-six and thirty-six record. They are eight games ahead of the Indians, who are forty-seven and forty-three. On the other hand, when you look at the Reds and what's happening in the NL Central, Milwaukee is fifty-six and thirty-nine. They are seven games in front of the Reds at forty-eight and forty-five. So realistically, there's about oh maybe a game, game and a half difference between the Reds and the Indians. But the Reds are seven games out behind Milwaukee. The Indians are eight. In your opinion, which team's in a better better situation right now? Oh, that's really tough. Um, I I probably say the Indians. Um, because I think Milwaukee's pitching staff is going to make it really difficult to catch them. Um, I think the White Sox probably have a better all-around team. I think that pitching in Milwaukee has is really, really, really good. Um, and I think, you know, I think the Indians are a little better baseball team right now than the Reds. I think they're, you know, the Reds' injuries, and I know the Indians have them too, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, as bad as the bullpen is, and as many guys as they're missing, if, especially if Cassianos misses any, any extended time, the Reds are in a really bad spot. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think the Indians are in a little better position, mainly because they've got the 11 games left with the White Sox. That, that's what I'm thinking, is that they're in a better situation because of that. But then, they're also, Eight game or six games up on the team that's right behind them into the the Detroit Tigers, who are fourteen out. So the Indians are six games up on them, but the Cubs right now are just two games back of the Reds. But the Cubs went ahead and got rid of Peterson over the weekend, trading him to Atlanta. Do you think the Cubs are in sell mode right now? Oh, 100 percent. I think Peterson's the first. Um, and I love that you brought him up. I meant to bring him up earlier when we were talking about the Reds. And how bad the front office has been. You know, the, the Braves lose Acuna Jr. for the year, and obviously Jock Peterson is not as good of a player as Ronald Acuna. But the next day, they go out and get Jock Peterson. They fill the hole that they need to fill to stay competitive. Yes. Um, I think the, the, the Cubs are going to trade almost anybody not named probably Javier Baez and Anthony Rizzo. Anybody else on that team is open to be traded. Maybe Ian Happ might stay because I think he's still got some club control. Um, but I think anybody else on that roster, that if you wanted to get them, you could go get them. You know what's interesting, though? The big rumor around baseball is Rizzo going to the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, that would be kind of funny, full circle for him. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I see, uh, I see Bryant going somewhere, but I just don't know where yet. Oh, I think Brian's definitely going to get traded. I just don't, like you said, don't know where. Um, I'm trying to think where, I mean, where does Chris Bryant fit? 
mean, you could see Chris Bryant being New York. Yeah, they're New York team realistically. Um, they say the Mets are really going after him hard. Yeah, I could see. Uh, let's see, where else could Chris Bryant fit? I mean, shit, Atlanta. I mean, that's the one he could fit at. Um, Philly was hard after him for a while. Um, Craig Kimbrell's another one they're probably going to trade. Um, yeah. I think they would trade Jason Hayward if they could. They're probably not going to get anything for him. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the Cubs are getting ready to rip it up. Man, how many, how many years does Hayward have left on that contract? Oh, geez, okay, he's kind of coming. I, I mean, he, he has done a magical job of making money off of, uh, worse than average statistics. I mean, he's hitting 201, 209 with nine home, or six home runs this year. Yeah, I mean, he's, let me see, he's got an eight year contract. Uh, 184 million over eight years, but when did he sign it? Uh, he'll be a free agent in three years, 2024. Yeah. Holy cow. What a mistake. I mean, you, you could have signed Chris Bryant to that kind of a deal probably five years ago, which is what it would have been five years ago. You could have signed Chris Bryant to that kind of a deal and you wouldn't have to worry about it right now. Correct. Yeah, I mean that that part of it is just crazy. What what's your guess as far as the Reds are concerned? If they go after anything, I think they've got to if they're going to be buyers, they've got to be buyers for relief pitching. That's what they've got to go after. Uh yeah, I mean I the same thing has been all year. So relief pitching or in a shortstop. Um if you can get a shortstop for the right price, especially if you're somebody you can get under team control. Um, this year, but there's also a lot of talk about them bringing up uh, Jose Barrera, formerly um, Jose Garcia. Yeah, what was he the deal the, there? Why, why is all of a sudden he changed his name? I I think it was I think so I think that was his uh, his mother's maiden name, I believe. Okay. Um, so he changed it to his mother's maiden name. I believe. Don't hold me to that. Um, there's a lot of talk about them bringing him up to play short. Um, I, I don't really know, man. I think I don't know. I could see if Sandel's not going to be back soon. I could even see bringing in another outfielder, especially if somebody who can play center field. Because as good as he was for two and a half, three months, Tyler Naquin's lost right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, he you know his average is twenty five points lower than his career average. You know, he hasn't hit a home run, and it feels like six weeks. Um. And he's not, I mean, he's an okay defender. He's, he's pretty good in right. He's not very good in center field. He's okay. So I think if you could upgrade there, you, you could see that too. Um, Blake, I'll tell you, keep an ear out for Minnesota because Minnesota's got a shortstop in Andrew Till Simmons that they'll be glad to give up for some young prospects. And they've got a couple of guys in the bullpen that might be interesting towards the Reds. Uh, yeah, I agree, and I think the one that they missed on that they should have done early in the year, and they talked about it in spring training, and it's come back to bite them in multiple ways, but he's not playing for them, and he's playing for the Brewers, is they should have figured out a way to get Willie Adamas. Yes. Because there was a lot of chatter about the Reds being really close to acquiring Willie Adamas to play shortstop during spring training, and it didn't come to fruition, and then, you know, weekend of the season, the Brewers get him, and they've been one of the best teams in baseball since. Yep. 
Blake, what are the the Reds this week? They've got the Mets coming into town, and then they've got the Cardinals off the, or this weekend, right? Correct. And then they've got the Cubs, a four-game series in Chicago, and then the Mets to round out July on the road. So these next two weeks, as you said at the top of the show, really going to dictate what the Reds are going to be, buyers or sellers. Yeah, I think it's, it, and it's especially depending on what the Cubs have moved by that time, I think you're going to see three teams play against the Reds that are relatively equally matched to the Reds, like they're very similarly built. Um you know, I know the Mets are coming in now. We we missed Degrom and Noah Syndergaard's still on the deal as well. Um, and I know Lindor's not playing tonight, so it's you know you hopefully you're catching them at the right time to take two of three of the Mets, two of three with the Cardinals, and then see where you're at. If you do that, I think they're in, in a good spot. Yeah, didn't they put Lindor on the ten day deal? I believe so. I just saw he wasn't in the lineup tonight, and I think I remember hearing. He yeah, I th- you know that's the first time he's been on the on the injured list since he came to the wow, majors. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, first first time. It's that's that's quite something. Well, the Indians they've got a three game set in Houston tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday, and they're all night games, by the way. And then Tampa Bay comes to town, so the next couple of weeks for the Indians too are going to prove to be. Uh, rather interesting as long, along with the Reds. So we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, Blake, but we'll be back next Monday night. Sounds good, Dave. Thanks, bud. Alright, thanks a lot, Blake. That's gonna do it for tonight's show. Be sure to join us again next Monday night for another Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody.